The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This is the 10th episode of Season 3. Happy to have you with us. I am the namesake. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. A lot of great games this week, so let's get to it. St. Mary's and Ritchie County played a game worthy of the hype in a back-and-forth matchup. It was a back-and-forth second half. There are a lot of games, especially earlier in the season, when we hype those up and we talk about them a lot. This one lived up to it. St. Mary's comes away with a 34-26 win over Ritchie County. The Blue Devils go to 3-0 and the Rebels go to 2-1. Both of these teams were evenly matched in most stats, except for rushing. Ritchie County was held to less than 100 yards, and though they tend to throw the ball a little bit more and more, not as much as maybe we expected at some point of the season, but they are beginning to pick up steam as a pass offense, they do expect to run the football with Gus Morrison primarily, but both Morrison and the Rebels bottled to less than 100 yards. The team only managed to get 91, and 15 carries, Morrison had 47 yards. So neither the team nor Morrison really able to to get it going on the ground. Ethan Haught is throwing the ball more and more each week, and that continued this week. 11 of 15 for 172 yards, did not throw an interception. That's maybe the best news. Hooked up with Blaine Bowie for two touchdown passes, and Graydon McKinney for a third. Is really finding his comfort level as a passer, and they're getting more and more production out of that passing game. For St. Mary's, Trey Moss, 17 carries, 93 yards. Of course, you always look at him in this matchup after moving over from Ritchie County, and a lot of attention was on him before the matchup as we knew it would be. Brennan Boron was the guy that stole the show as far as the running game goes. Boron ran for three scores, 14 carries, 86 yards. He threw a touchdown to Kyle West. So it's the multiple back look for St. Mary's against Air Hot. Gus Morrison being used in a couple different facets, plus receivers like Graydon McKinney and Blaine Bowie. These are the guys we talk about a lot, and they step up in games like this. So for Ritchie County, they've got a really tough road to go here. They're going to face a Doddridge County team that has not given up a point all year long. Doddridge won 31 to nothing over Lincoln County last week. They're 3-0, and they've done it in shutout fashion. We'll talk more about that game in a little bit, but still not easy for Ritchie County to have Doddridge County next week, though they do have them at home. And St. Mary's will face Calhoun. They host Calhoun. Did the Blue Devils ever go on the road? This will be the fourth straight home game to start the season. I guess they're finally going to go on the road next week when they face Williamstown, but still, four straight home games to start the season is a lot. I know that the COVID replacement games, I don't believe were both supposed to originally be home games, but they got lucky and got an extra home game out of that somewhere. So a good early season test for both of those teams, and these are two teams that I would like to see meet deep in the postseason. I would love to see a semifinal matchup with St. Mary's and Ritchie County. If you could get on the island, that would be a dream scenario, but would love to see that as a semifinal. I think that would be a fantastic game, and maybe by then we can have some more fans in attendance, and maybe by then we could really enjoy that for what it is, but either way, those two communities put together a great game of football, and and we're glad to see it. We're glad to have it on Light Rock 93R this week, but if you haven't watched that or missed that, you can go find that on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page and see the streaming video archive there. Williamstown was routed by Fort Fry, and this is one that was a bit of a surprise to me. Not that Fort Fry won that game, 
game. That's a very good team. But they won 49-7. to Williamstown was down at the end of the first quarter. They scored a touchdown on the last play of the first quarter, and it was a 14-7 game. But Fort Fry scored the game's last 35 points. Three Williamstown turnovers did not help. They had two interceptions in the game. They fumbled. And they're playing a team, as all Ohio teams are this year, that's a week more experienced, a week more seasoned than what the Yellow Jackets are. That's a tough game for Williamstown, as Marietta was a tough game for the Yellow Jackets, having two Ohio schools in your first three weeks. So Williamstown will try to shake the lumps from that loss. They currently have a bye week this week. They were supposed to play Buffalo as we tape this. I've not heard that there's going, they're going to fill that bye week, and it might not be the worst idea if they leave that as a bye week so they can have two weeks to prepare for St. Mary's. That's how things go a lot of times. There are a lot of times their schedule lays out to allow them to have that extra week before the St. Mary's game. They come in crisp. They come in rested. They come in focused and ready to go against the Blue Devils, and not that they wouldn't be otherwise, but if you try to finagle an opponent and cram for a game that may be a really tough game, depending on who you're able to get at this hour, that could put you in worse shape before you head into St. Mary's, or you could get somebody that serves as a nice tune-up for St. Mary's, and you could stay sharp and regain your focus and your, and your confidence a little bit. There doesn't seem to be a lot of an exact science about how this works, the rest versus rust debate. We talked about this a little bit last week when Parkersburg South played Princeton, and we'll get into that game a little bit more later. So for Williamstown, I don't know. I think the best thing to do there is whether or not they have a buy or whether they find somebody. I think the thing to do would be to try to use that situation to your advantage, whether it's taking a week off and then hitting it hard against St. Mary's or preparing to hit it hard against St. Mary's, or whether you do find a game and tune up. Whatever this week brings, use it for whatever it's worth. Use it to the best of its opportunities. Speaking of consecutive points, PHS scored 21 straight points of their own to take the lead for good and a 34-20 win over Marietta. Marietta got three touchdowns from Reese Gerber, two of them to Tony Munoz, as he is solidifying himself. Gerber as one of the area's better quarterbacks, and Munoz is solidifying himself as a playmaking threat not to be overlooked in this area. For PHS, Bryson Singer with two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. They got a pick six from Keenan Curry. So we were talking about that game last week, and one of the things we kept saying, who takes the momentum from their win the week before? Marietta knocked off Athens to get to that point. PHS was able to get that win over Wheeling Central. They rallied from behind to do that. And that's a situation where they had to replace an opponent because of COVID and ended up with Wheeling Central. And that's sometimes the detriment of taking that as a buy. They were able to get a good win and get some momentum from that because they came back in the second half against the Maroon Knights. There is a direct correlation between their effort in the second half of that game and the fact they were able to get that win against Marietta. They were a more confident team. You can't tell me they weren't. So, again, looking at Williamstown's situation, if the Yellow Jackets look at PHS for an example of what to do when handed an unexpected buy, that might lean them in the favor of possibly finding someone to play this week. Frontier picked up their most quality win of the season. They beat somebody undefeated. 44-18 win over Cameron. Noah Barnhart carried 18 times for 108 yards and four touchdowns. And Slade Amos did a lot of heavy lifting. For us, Morris says Cougars 14 touches, 132 yards and two touchdowns. So the Cougars are at 4-0 and they'll visit Magnolia Friday. You know that old song that said, Mama said there'd be days like this? Well, for Parkersburg South, that had to be how they were feeling when they took on Princeton last week. Parkersburg South South had special teams breakdowns, a really bad first half, a sluggish start on offense, and it all led to a 34-14 loss at Princeton. They fell all the way out of the Metro News top 10 because of that loss. Punting was atrocious for Parkersburg South in the first half. They tried three punts, and two of the three were absolute disasters. They had one returned for a touchdown, the first score of the game, a nice one-hop punt, and it was taken to the house for a 65-yard return for a score. After a successful punt, their third punt of the night was blocked in the end 
end zone, and it went through the back of the end zone for a safety. So South was down 9 nothing, and through no fault of their defense, their defense was holding, but the offense couldn't get things going for Parkersburg South either. The Patriots got the ball first, and they had a drive stall at the four-yard line of Princeton. And our silent reporter, Ken Davis, was a fill-in for Randy Kinsolving. He and I were talking about this on the way home, and the thing that Ken said, and I wish we talked about it more on the broadcast, if South gets that score on the first drive of the game, do things turn out differently for them? And if so, are they markedly better? We'll never know. It's hard to tell how that might have gone down. But they didn't, and their next three drives, as we said, were three and outs with three punts to follow. South finally got things going a little bit late in the half, carried over some of the success in moving the football to the second. I've got a couple scores to make it 20-14 to 14 before Princeton put on an icing score or window dressing score late in that game. Princeton had everything going for them. They were hyped. They broke out their special black jerseys for the cause. And I know if you're listening to this, and maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a little older, and you don't understand that, we very much live in a generation where if you look good, you feel good, and if you feel good, you play good. That's why colleges are coming up with different uniform styles and novelty looks and alternate looks all the time because they know the players are going to like that. That's a recruiting tool at the college level. And at the high school level, these guys want to look as slick as they can. These guys want to look sharp. So the black jerseys, a special thing they break out every so often. They broke out the black set and it worked for them. It was senior night. They were hyped. And that's an improved Princeton team. They've got an all-state receiver. They've got two other seniors that contributed to that effort. And they've got a quarterback that's a sophomore that is going to be a really good quarterback by the time all said and done. He's already pretty good as a sophomore. I think Parkersburg South is finding out in full force what it is to have that target on their back. And maybe they didn't come into the season feeling like the target was on their back but they're no longer the underdog. They were a semifinalist last year, and people take notice of that. Martinsburg, Spring Valley, and Cabo Midland were the other three semifinalists last year. And there are an awful lot of schools that would not beat any of that quartet, Martinsburg, Spring Valley, Cabo Midland, and South, except for South. South is the team that to many schools, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but to many schools of that set of four teams, South is the one that you could pick off. Spring Valley did get the win over Martinsburg and punched a hole in a Martinsburg's invincibility and showed us that they're a good team themselves. That remains to be seen. I know there's some different factors there. Martinsburg's got a different coach. They lost some time because of COVID this year. And Spring Valley was ready and hyped up and ready to play that game too. But if you're an outside observer in AAA, if you're a team that's at the bottom of that top 16 or outside, and you're looking at that set of four semifinalists from last year, Cabell Midland, of course, with their triple option running attack that they run so very well. And like I said, if you look at those four teams, you're going to get hyped up to play them all. But South is probably the one of the four right now that you're going to look at and realistically feel like you could knock off and realistically feel like you could defeat. And that's what Princeton did. Give them credit. They got some votes in that Metro News power ranking. South surprised me that they not only fell all the way out, but they didn't even get any votes this week. I I didn't vote for them, but I thought somebody might. Somebody that didn't see that game might vote for them. I didn't vote for them because I don't think they're a good team. I didn't vote for them because I don't think right now they're a top 10 team. They might get there, but right now I don't know that you could say that I'm a Parkersburg South. Very Jekyll and Hyde effort from them because though they lost to a tough team in week one in Cabo Midland, they made their share of mistakes in that game. It wasn't just the opponent that was the undoing of Parkersburg South at the opener. And then it was a different team. Night and day between the opener and Woodrow Wilson, we saw a crisp, focused attack and a good effort and physicality established on both sides of the ball. And against Princeton, it was a little bit of both. It really was a first half that looked like some of the mistakes of the Cabo Midland game. I don't know that Parkersburg South was able to express themselves with the physicality on defense and impose their will the way they'd want to on defense and announce the world that they're here. We saw a better effort in the second half, but 
Again, they give up too many big plays, too many mistakes on special teams. It's too much of the stuff that doesn't win you football games for Parkersburg South against Princeton. Second straight win for Tyler Consolidated as they routed Calhoun County 42-6. Trenton Huffman threw for three touchdown passes. Case Landis ran for a score. John Headley ran for a score. Trenton Huffman also ran for a fourth. Tyler Consolidated will face a Wirt County team that picked up a win that surprised me a little bit. Not that I didn't think they would beat Webster County, but they beat Webster County 76-6. to I didn't realize Webster County was a team that was 70 points worse than somebody, but Wirt County came in and picked up that win in only their second game of the year, so that's going to be a sneaky good game. A 2-0 Wirt County team and a 2-1 Tyler Consolidated team. And the River Pilots got their third straight win. They lost their opener to Bel Air, but Mike Flannery's squad is finding all the right moves as they picked up a 47-14 win over Magnolia and a 3-1. River's got to be pretty confident about where they are at this point of the season. And other news and notes, a schedule change for you that we have. PHS will not play Cabell Midland as regularly scheduled this week because Cabell Midland had an active COVID outbreak on their team. There was a player there that tested positive for COVID. So instead of Cabell Midland, it'll be Huntington on the schedule for the Big Reds. The Highlanders replaced the Knights on the Big Reds' schedule this week. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at last week's poll question, and we're not going to take a long look at it. We asked you, if you've watched high school football this season through an online stream, have you been satisfied with the product? If not, would you be willing to pay or pay more for a better service? And we didn't get any response to this question, so I'll probably look to discontinue the question this week and look for something that might be more interesting to you. I can't get the polls to work on here anymore, so that was an easy response, and people aren't responding to the multiple question polls, so I'll probably scrap the poll after this week unless I can think of something better or uh, another way to do it. I asked this question just because I know a lot of people are streaming games through different ways. I've seen games streamed on YouTube. I've seen games streamed on Facebook Live. I've even seen games streamed on Twitch. There are a lot of companies that are streaming games. Companies like 1455 Media in this area and then Video Productions from Butch Mounts in the southern part of the state. They're streaming a lot more games than usual. Some of those are better quality streams than others. Some of those are broadcasts that look very close to what you would see on television if you were watching a Division I college game or even an NFL game in some cases, and some of them, it's a dude holding a camera, and that's about it. Bottom line is, a lot of this was put together at the last minute. A lot of it was put together late. Should it have been? Probably not, because people probably should have anticipated that fans would not be able to be in attendance to the numbers that we would like to see them in attendance this year. But like so many other things with COVID, we put things off for the hope that we're going to get the silver bullet, and hope that we're going to get the answer to COVID, and that mission accomplished flag would be flown right away. And I think that's something we need to come to grips with, maybe with COVID, and maybe this isn't so much a football thing as it is just a life thing. I'm not sure we're going to get that moment with COVID where we can just jump up and down and dance and celebrate the victory with this, where it's all over. I think what is going to happen here with COVID is we're going to have to learn to figure out how to integrate ourselves back into normal life uh, and do so with social distancing and do so with masks, which is really what we've been asked to do from the get-go. But only now are we really seeing and understanding what that means. That means you know, not being afraid to go out into public places, but taking precautions to protect yourself when you go out into those places. Wear masks, even around people that you're familiar being with because you don't know where they've been and who they've been around inadvertently or even on purpose. But these are just simple things that we've been asked to do since March. 
and many people didn't do them or didn't take them seriously. So now here we are in late September still talking about doing these things and the importance of social distancing. We as a society need to start looking ahead and preparing for the things that are to come as we head toward the end of the year and as we head into winter sports and spring sports. How might that all look different in the age of COVID-19? And a lot of high school programs only got on the streaming train in late August once it became apparent that we were going to have a season. And so some of the streams were not all that well organized. People that have been doing this for a while, they were in position to be able to pivot and put good products out there. I think we've seen the people who will probably be willing to pay for a good service and the services that do this and do this well in most cases are pay services. In life, unfortunately, there are good things that don't come for free anymore. And right now, if this is your way to see high school football, then maybe consider being willing to pay for it and, and understand that that's part of it. And note, too, that good production for high school sports costs money. It is not cheap to do. You're going to see a game on television this weekend. WTAP will have the Parkersburg Huntington game on television. At the local television level, that's not an inexpensive endeavor for them to be taking on. It's big that they get the advertising for it, and that's why they do so well with advertising, because they know people want to see the programming, but they also know that it takes that level of advertising to be able to put that broadcast on. So maybe keep that in mind when you're looking at streams. Maybe keep that in mind when you're looking to criticize streams. Many people are doing streaming broadcasts with not a lot of technology. Many people are doing streaming broadcasts on a shoestring budget, and many people are doing streaming broadcasts with no more people involved than the regular operation might take, whether it's being streamed by media outlet or the football program or the school itself. Uh, everyone's trying to make do as best they can and that's where we are with this. I will ask another poll question uh, later in the program. I want to mention something that I saw in the Parkersburg News and Sentinel this week. This was in Monday's Parkersburg News and Sentinel. Columnist Mike Meyer, who usually writes about politics, he's based in the Wheeling area and is actually the father of Christina Meyer, the executive editor of the News and Sentinel, wrote a column this week entitled, In Some Cases, Showing Up is a Win. And, of course, it starts talking about the criticism of the participation trophy concept and, and you know, the idea of uh, how young people need to know the difference between winning and merely participating in a contest, whether that's anywhere in life. But, uh, again, he says there's still something to be said for showing up. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the Payton City football team. They came out on the bottom end of of a 64 to 28 outcome against Van. And the argument that Meyer is making is that Peyton City didn't lose that game. They won by showing up. And he didn't use the word lose to refer to the outcome in the column. And he's saying at the season's end, there were just 11 young men on the team and their coach and the school officials made the decision to call off the season. And, and, and it's just mentioning about how proud folks of Peyton City are of their high school and their team and how those kids learned a lesson in perseverance and sticking things out during a tough year. They were only able to play two games this year. They played federal hockey in their season opener and they played Van in their home opener and ended up being their last game. Uh, but they went to those weightlifting sessions and the practices and they played their two games. And unfortunately, with the numbers being what they were and some injuries already mounting to the numbers they had, first to call it quits and end their season. And the thing that Meyer 
says at the end is, one suggestion when you apply for a college or job, clip the story about the last game and attach it to your application. It says a lot about you. To any intelligent college or job recruiter, it says, I want this guy. He shows up. He gives it all he has. He doesn't quit. That's a winner, folks. And I thought it was really cool for someone like Meyer, who, I'll be honest, I don't always agree with his political opinions when they're in the editorial page, but he does a good job to write about the things that are in the local area and things that are going on in this region. And I thought it was really cool that he took the time to write about Payton City, a community where he says he's lived in the past, uh, knowing that community, knowing what that meant, and uh, knowing some of the, the thought that went into the decision to end their football season, but also knowing the triumph that comes with showing up and participating and giving it your best. And I echo his comments. For the 11 that they had at the end of the season, that's something that you ought to carry with you through the rest of your life. And I know that we measure things in life by winning or losing. We measure success often in terms of winning or losing. But sometimes by showing up and by giving it your best, you really are winning. And that's what high school sports are all about. High school sports are about character lessons. And high school sports are about teaching the idea of sticking with something and seeing something through to its completion. Now, does it always happen? Unfortunately, no. Do we always pay attention to those cases when they happen? Unfortunately, no. We pay attention to the winning and the losing. That's why we're talking about this 20 minutes into the program and not up top uh, near the games that happened last week. And uh, we'll get to the games that are going to happen this week in just a few minutes. And it's the games and the outcomes and the things that happen in those games that make up the bulk of what we talk about on this program. But every once in a while in life, we need to take a minute to look at the people who showed up and gave it their best. And even though they fell short, they fell short with honor and they fell short valiantly and they fell short with dignity. And right now, uh, I agree with what Meyer says about Payton City. They might be 0-2 in the record books, might be 0-2 as far as the win-loss column goes, but that's a community that showed up and did their best to make a season happen, and when it wasn't apparent they weren't going to get any more numbers, and when some injuries had mounted, they bowed out with honor and with their heads held high. They didn't lose. They showed up and did their best in two games, and I fully echo Meyer's sentiments in this column about Peyton City, and I wanted to shine a light on that because those are student-athletes that probably haven't had enough of a light shined on what they've done. So I agree. I know Metro News covered that. Tara Malone provided some coverage of that game. If you can find that coverage, if you can find a game article uh, or a link to that piece from Metro News, I would stick that with your job application or your college application and let people know that you're someone of character. You're someone that when you make a commitment, you show up and you honor that commitment. And that's what these young men did at Payton City High School. So again, so cool that that was pointed out. And uh, I want to credit Mike Meyer for writing the piece. And I want to credit Coach Zach Heasley, his entire staff, and the 11 young men of the Payton City Wildcats for what they were able to accomplish this season. Earlier this week, I had a chance to chat with Parkersburg High School broadcaster John Chalfin as we talked about the Big Reds this season. Welcome into the program, John. It's good to get a chance to to talk to you, to this, chat. This is what happens when the family grows. <laughs> That's right. And, and you're in the family now. We, we get you on the show here. Yeah. Uh, the Big Reds come in after a win against Marietta. They're 2-1. and one. And really, you could almost look at this season, it seems, six quarters of football on the first half and six quarters of football since. Well, you know, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit earlier. It's almost, with everything that is going on in high school football, it's almost as if you're still in camp in a way. Or the summer, I I look at it that way because you kind of see the team uh, the first week at Spring Valley, and obviously Spring Valley quality ball club they beat martinsburg uh, last week and ended that winning streak and you knew they were good yeah but how good 
you wondered, well, obviously they're, they're pretty good. And uh, I think from the standpoint of the Big Reds each week getting a little bit better, and it, it almost would seem to me like coaches don't want to hear this. You learn, I, I mean, teams learn things about themselves while the season's going on. Yeah. And I think that's the case for the Big Reds, especially this year. I, you know, I'll talking to the coaches you, you kind of get a sense of that but I'm uh, you know thinking about it, it at least from a spectator standpoint uh, it looks to me like they're still in a process of learning that would be natural how has Bryson Singer grown as a quarterback from what you've seen from last year to this year I think a lot of it is confidence just developing that confidence from week to week knowing his own ability uh, of course, you're playing with some different personnel each year, but I, I think as he gets more confident in uh, his surrounding cast's play, uh, I, I think that's the, the major thing that I see. Uh, he knows what he can do, obviously, individually, and a lot of times he'll take the team on his shoulders and carry it and, and do that. But uh, I, I think, too, developing that trust between receivers and, and, and different playmakers on the team has been his biggest thing. And I've seen that develop over the course of the season. And last week we saw the emergence of Zadrian Snodgrass in the PHS running game in a way we've not really seen in the first two games. What does he bring to the table? Well, I think one of the things about that is he's kind of in the mold of those backs uh, that uh, uh, have been a tradition of the Big Reds, uh, Tyler Moeller, although he's not quite there. It, you know, I hesitate to compare. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the things I think you have to watch out for, but you can't help but see running styles and the fact that he, he seems to be very determined to get those extra yards. Uh, and I, I think the thing about him is he provides that you know dependable yardage that you, you get uh, from a, a player on the team, but you need in, in that position. And he kind of gives uh, defense is something else they have to focus on besides Bryson Singer. And you don't want to be in a position where you have to run Singer 20 or 30 times a game. You want there to be a bell cow, a meal ticket kind of back in the backfield, someone that you can feed and that can get you those tough yards when you want to take a little bit of that pressure off your quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the keys to this Big Red team also is the fact that they probably have uh, one of the bigger uh, offensive lines that they've had uh, in recent years, uh, if they can continue that and working together. And that's another part of getting back to what I was saying about the team working together uh, and developing. And that's that cohesive unit. And I think at the offensive line, I, I've always been kind of fascinated by that on all levels of football, is watching that offensive line. And when they can mesh and, and know where and kind of read each other, that's a, a, a very important key. Right. And the Offensive line seems to be coming together here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as they as you see those holes and and different things open up uh, for the team, I think those that is the very key part of this uh, too. And and giving a Singer enough time to set and throw, make his reads, uh, and develop that, I think is something uh, we'll see develop over the course of the season. Looking at this week, it was going to be Cabell Midland. And instead of that triple option attack, you're going to see a very pro-style offense in Huntington, which, to be honest, probably looks a lot like what you saw with Wheeling Central a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, too. And um, I'm not... 
I don't want to take anything away from Huntington because they'll be tough. Yeah. They, they always have good skill position players, but I think if the Big Reds are looking at it from a standpoint, at least from an optimistic standpoint that the Big Reds fans have, uh, this is not the... Uh, I mean, they've been comparable to Spring Valley in past years as far as their talent size right. and the defensive front that the Big Reds have had to face. And uh, from what I understand, it, it's not like that, but it will still be a tough Huntington team to beat. Maybe they don't have as much experience but uh, as they've had in the past in some of the skill player positions. But uh, I, I would like to think that, that uh, the Big Reds would have a, a better chance perhaps going into this game uh, than they have had previous years versus Huntington. And looking to snap a, a very long losing streak against Huntington, too. Huntington comes in winless this season. That's not where we're used to seeing Huntington four weeks into the year. Yeah, no, a- absolutely not. But, you know, you still have that confidence. I think that's one of the things that, you know, if you go into a game, the mentality, and so important, I, I mean, not to uh, spout cliches or things like that, but again, like the Big Reds, developing that confidence, Huntington uh, you've, you've got to take them out of the ball game and being able to, to have that confidence early on. And I think, unlike some of the games, unfortunately, the Big Reds have, well, you know, you talked about Wheeling Central. They were down 21-7 to in the third quarter. Marietta, they were down uh, 14-7, I believe, at uh, – uh, well, the Big Reds were ahead, but were down 7 to nothing early in that ball game. And I think from the standpoint of you don't want to give up that first score. And I think if the Big Reds, especially – they can get that first score, it can kind of give them, again, getting back to that confidence. So slow starts of dog the Big Reds a little bit this year. Is that the area where maybe they need to make that next step? Yeah, I think so. And I think especially now, I don't want to take away from the defensive backfield because they have two interceptions. They had a pick six last week uh, versus Marietta. So you've got that, but giving up the big plays. And I think another key for the Big Reds is, unfortunately, it seems like it was the case in the opening kickoff at Marietta. um, Don't give the ball up early and shorten the field for your opponent. Yeah. And that was that was pretty much the entire case versus Spring Valley, but that has a lot to do with, with talent. But uh, for the first half in a series uh, versus Wheeling Central, that, that was kind of the story for the Big Reds. Don't give the ball up. Shorten field. Make them work for that. That was our sit-down with Parkersburg High School voice John Chalfit. Of course, the Big Reds play Huntington this Friday. Let's take a look at our games of the week this week. There might not be the bountiful display of games this week that just pop off the page with interest and with intrigue, but there are some pretty good games. PHS in a COVID replacement game will host Huntington instead of hosting Capital Midland, and that's a Big Reds team that you need to watch out for. They've got some momentum about them after picking up a win in the second game of the season. They were routed by Spring Valley in their opener, and I think now that Spring Valley's gone on the road and knocked off Martinsburg, that loss doesn't look as bad as maybe it did before. But if you're the Big Reds, you're not going to take any solace in who the team that beat you beat. Uh, you're going to be stung over the loss. But either way, PHS comes in at 2-1. and one. They're going to play Huntington this week because of Cabo Midland still being quarantined because of their COVID case on that team. Wart County and Tyler consolidated in a matchup of a couple sneaky good teams right now. Wart put up a lot of points in a win over Webster. Tyler consolidated has won two in a row. Are those teams for real? Is just one of them for real? We might find out a little bit more. But I think that's going to be a sneaky good game and closer than maybe people might expect. Uh, And the other one, of course, the game of the week in the area is the Ritchie County-Doddridge County game. Uh, We talked about this a little bit earlier in the program, said we talk about this 
some more. Doddridge County's defense has not allowed a point in three consecutive wins to start the season, and Ritchie County's running game really struggled to get it going against St. Mary's. That's going to be tough for them, and to win this game, the Rebels are going to have to figure something out in the run game, and they're going to have to figure out how to get the ball to Gus Morrison. They were not able to do that. Ethan Haught threw a few touchdown passes, one to Graydon McKinney, and a couple to Blaine Bowie, but just could not get Morrison going. 15 carries for 47 yards, and I know that early in the year we were talking about how teams might key on him, and that would allow the other threats to open up. Well, now I think you have to play those other threats and defend those other threats, because if you key in on Morrison and load the box against Morrison, Hot can find Bowie, Hot can find McKinney. He's proven that, and Doddridge County is going to have to stay honest on defense and defend a complete Ritchie County team. This is a Ritchie County team that might not have had as good of a chance against Doddridge County if they play them in Week 1. Now, on their fourth game of the season, I like their chances a little bit better, and I am going to take Ritchie County. I don't often pick games, either on Countdown to Kickoff or on this podcast. I'm taking Ritchie County for the upset special this week. Just, I got a gut feeling. Something about it. Seems like this Ritchie County team is not going to lose two weeks in a row. I really think that this is a better team than maybe some people are giving credit to. The voters in the Metro News poll, for their credit, are not knocking this team. They have been true to this team, and that's borne out because I think this Ritchie County team, even without Trey Moss, still has a lot of talent and has a chance to make a deep run into the postseason this year. And not that Doddridge doesn't, but a big factor that we need to consider is this game is at Ritchie County. It's on natural grass, and for Ritchie County, that's the surface where they're most comfortable. They weren't comfortable or weren't as comfortable on the turf in St. Mary's last week. Much more comfortable on natural grass this week. I say Ritchie County in the upset special. They find a way to get it done. They fix some of the leaks in that running game, and they keep the passing game going where it's going. And if they don't pull that off, I think we're going to learn a lot more about Doddridge County. For what it's worth, the Bulldogs are now number one in that Metro News Power Rankings, so that bullseye on their back, it's bigger than it used to be. So they'd better be ready for that. But either way, gut feeling, uh, and a rare prediction for me on this program, give me Richie to get it done against the Doddridge County Bulldogs. Our game's on Seven Rangers Radio and Mid-Ohio Valley Radio. Light Rock 93R has St. Mary's and Calhoun this week. WXCR has that Tyler Consolidated Wart County matchup. If you're not in the 92.3 FM listening area, you can also find that on WXCR.com. WVAM, our new oldie station, has that PHS Huntington matchup. And V96.9 has Parkersburg South and John Marshall. Patriots struggled offensively at times last week and definitely in the punting game and with special teams. They'll hit the road to face John Marshall. Two years ago, they came away from John Marshall with perhaps the best win in the regular season in the Mike Eddy era. Uh, That was a close matchup. It was, uh, on paper, a game that looked pretty close. Looked like a toss-up in the fourth week of the season a couple years ago and South went up to John Marshall and the Patriots manhandled John Marshall and, and really sent shockwaves through their season. And we'll see if the Patriots can do it again because their season has been up and down topsy-turvy. A loss in the opener to Cabell Midland. They looked good in a win on the road at Woodrow Wilson and then looked lost last week on the road at Princeton. So they need a big win to turn their season around and get it back to 2-2. Two and two. And I think if they can do that, that'll tell us a lot about where that team is headed and how resilient they really are. So those are our games this week on Seven Ranges Radio and Mid-Ohio Valley Radio. I want to take a look at this week's poll question. It might be the last poll question, depending on the feedback we get from it. Are you surprised at the amount of impact COVID has had on high school football this season? And that can be in a couple different ways. Uh, The number of canceled games, the amount of cases and outbreaks among teams, the lack of fans in the stands. If anything you're seeing, feeling, or experiencing is different than what you expected, uh, let us know. And if yes, why? Why is that different? How is that different? And if not, did you expect more or less of an impact? Did you expect COVID to have more of an impact or less of an impact on our games this season? That's the poll question. As you said, it could be the last one. I think I might need to look for a different feature on this program. Again, you can download 
download us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us there. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us there as well. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. And until next week, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.